0: Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. This week's episode is supported by Nukeproof and Crank Brothers. Nukeproof have recently announced that Sam Hill, Elliot Heap and Keelan Grant, along with the rest of Team Chain Reaction Cycles, will be using their very own Horizon V2 wheels to take on the 2021 EWS season, and we're going to give you a chance to win a pair in just a minute. There's some really nice thought gone into these wheels. For example, they're using a dynamically aged magnesium silicon enriched alloy blend, which is a bit of a mouthful, but that enables them to combine the stiffness of a 7 series alloy with the ductility of a 6 series alloy. They use ABEC high performance bearings with a full contact labyrinth seal to keep them running sweet. And the rims are sleeved instead of welded to make sure they have consistent strength in the rim. They're hand laced with readily available J-Bend spokes. So if you ever break one, you shouldn't struggle to find a replacement. Proof sent me a pair to try and my first impressions are really good. The finish is great and the design is subtle but stylish. They come fully taped with a tubeless valve so all you need to do is pop a tyre on, pour some sealant in and away you go. The hubs make a pleasant but not overly loud noise and with 102 points of engagement you're not left waiting for drive. They're a 30mm internal rim width and they're downhill approved so they're tough. I smashed them into a few rocks already with no issues. They're sold separately, so you've got your choice of axle, boost, non-boost, freehub, all that kind of stuff, and you can get a mixed wheel size pair for you mullet fans out there. They're all available from your local Nukeproof dealer. To be in with a chance of winning your own pair of Horizon wheels worth 400 pounds, all you need to do is to head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash Nukeproof. That will take you to a Nukeproof landing page where you can enter the competition by joining their newsletter. There's no spam, just an email once a week keeping you up to date with what they're up to. It's worth it for the Sam Hill videos alone. You've got until the 1st of April to enter. This episode is also supported by Crank Brothers. They've just launched a full range of shoes for both flat and clip pedals. They've been in secret development under some of the world's top athletes and testers for a couple of years, and the hard work has paid off. They've really smashed it out the park with their first attempt. The shoes come with three lacing options. There's a regular lace, a speed lace and a boa. I've been riding the boa option in both the flat and the clip pedals and I'm loving them. The boa makes getting in and out of the shoe so easy as you can fully loosen the lacing system in a second. Then as you tighten the boa it spreads the tension evenly across the shoe so you get great foot retention with no hot spots. The shoes are super comfortable straight out of the box and they fit true to size 2 using the crank brothers clip shoe with their mallet dh pedal has been an absolute revelation you might remember i was experimenting with clips late last year and i hadn't got to the point where i could clip out easily and i thought this was just something that would take time to learn well with the crank brothers shoes i found it way easier to clip in and out even with the regular cleats and i was using the easy release cleat when i was trying last year it's given me way more confidence on clip pedals and i'm really looking forward to riding with them more They haven't just designed them to work well with the Crankbrothers pedals though. They've done thorough testing with a wide range of the pedals that are on the market. So whatever pedals you're running, Crankbrothers shoes are well worth a try. So if you're in the market for some new shoes, then check them out at crankbrothers.com or at your local Crankbrothers stockist. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode on downtimepodcast.com. For the hardcore downtime fans amongst you, there's some lovely organic t-shirts, sweatshirts and hoodies available to show your support over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. They're awesome quality, they're available worldwide and they ship without any single use plastics too. All the proceeds go to help improving the podcast. So massive thanks to everyone who's bought something so far. It really helps me keep improving this thing. Make sure to give me a follow on Instagram and Facebook where I'm at Downtime Podcast. It's a great place for you to get involved and I really love hearing what you think about stuff. So join me and the rest of the lovely Downtime listeners in the comments over there. Alright, as it's International Women's Day today, I thought it would be interesting to chat to some of the awesome women who work in the bike industry and who have an overview of what's going on in many different areas. So today I'm joined by Emily Horridge, who runs a guiding business in the French Alps and has a successful YouTube channel that provides great information on how to improve your riding. Rachel White, who's the editor of Offroad.cc, a coach with ProRide and runs her own coffee roasting company, and Katie Worcester, who works in marketing at Nukeproof. We got together to chat about their careers and experiences. We cover what it's like working in the industry, how they feel out on the trails and get their thoughts on racing, media, brands and plenty more. So without further ado, here's Emily Horridge, Rachel White and Katie Wooster. All right, as it's International Women's Day, I thought it would be fun to chat to three women who are doing awesome things in the mountain bike world to find out a little bit more about them and to get their thoughts on the women's side of the sport. So today I'm joined by Emily Horridge, Katie Worcester, and Rachel White. First up, let's find out a little bit about you. Emily, we'll, we'll start with you. Tell us a bit about your background, what you're doing now, and kind of how you came to be doing that.
1: Um, <clears throat> so I started mountain biking when I was about 12, having realised that there was no way my family would ever be able to afford a pony, which is what I really wanted, <laughs> just go bikes. And um, just went from there, really. There was always someone riding in the local woods, and that progressed to racing. Um, and it was kind of when downhill was starting to become popular. So I did my first downhill race in 1997 and loved it. So from there, I just worked my way up through... Regional races, nationals, all the way up to World Cup racing, um, which I did for about... Well, I did my last World Cup in 2012. Then I had a little dabble in Enduro World Series races, which are really good fun. Um, Not quite as hard as they are now, I don't think, but yeah. And then I... In 2006, I was asked to go and run some women's skills weeks in Morzine by a company called Flow MTB, which no longer exists, but that was really my first introduction to skills coaching and guiding, and I'd always dreamt of being a sponsored rider and being paid to ride my bike, and I didn't know that guiding even existed, so that was a bit of an eye And eye, so I sort of was like, oh. Okay, so that's the route I kind of went down, became a qualified guide in 2007. Um, Went back to Morzine, did a couple of seasons in Morzine. And then I found myself in Les Arcs in 2011, working for Trail Addiction. Um, And then I ended up working for Bike Village. I've guided Trans Provence and now I run my own business. just called the Inside Line MTB, although I'm about to just call it Emily Horridge MTB because it makes more sense. Uh, so now I'm, yeah, I run guided trips in Lazarks and around other parts of the Alps, and I do skills coaching. And I also wanted to um, try and help women. Uh, you know, I'm quite, in, in, I'm quite isolated in my little corner of the Alps when it comes to a big scene of women. So... I decided to see if I could sort of help remotely, and I started a YouTube uh, skills tutorial channel in April last year, April 2020, to do that. With uh well, because I'd done some research and I couldn't find, oh, I could find very few channels which were female led. Like you could find stuff where there was a female and then there was a guy, but the guy was the one saying how to do it. And the female was like, oh, I love this and blah, blah, blah. And I thought it would be lovely to have or really, like, hopefully inspirational and approachable for people to have a channel that's female-led. Particularly, you know, I'm I'm aiming towards women, although obviously everybody can watch it. So that's what I thought I would try and do to help people kind of from afar. And that's been going really, really well. I'm really enjoying it. and, And it's just I haven't been able to post a video for the last couple of months, no maybe three months because I broke my ankle and luckily it still seems to be taking care of itself but um, I'm looking forward to getting back to making some videos now that my ankle is better so so yeah that's me so yeah um, I I guide people and coach people and I live in the French Alps.
0: <laughs> awesome you've made some good choices there. <laughs> Katie yeah. what about you you're a, a more recent uh, convert to the mountain bike world tell us a bit about your background and and how you've got to where you are today.
2: Yeah, definitely. I've not got anywhere near as an illustrious career as you have, Emily. But um, I only—I moved out to Whistler four years ago and I wasn't necessarily into mountain biking. I moved out for the snow and um, caught the mountain bike bug and stayed there for nearly three years. Um, obviously, it was pretty easy to get into the sport there. It's pretty much on your doorstep. Um, then work brought me back to the UK via Ireland and um, I ended up just getting more and more into it. I actually think... Getting back to the UK, I've probably been way more into the scene than I have, um, well, than I was when I was in Canada. There's just sort of so many distractions, so many, so many extreme sports you can possibly get involved with that mountain biking was just one of them. So definitely been sort of more focused on it when I've come back to the UK, and I find the scene here really approachable and and really nice. So um, then, yeah, that's kind of take, taken me on a path of. of Bike obsession, I guess, for the past couple of years, a relative obsession. And I was working for a um, paddleboarding company previously, and decided I really wanted. I spend all my life looking at bike stuff, so why don't I try and do this as my job? Um, the job at Proof came up a while ago, and I'd had my eye on it for quite a long time. And um, it came back up again eight months later, and jumped, I hop, jumped on the chance, and very thankfully got the job so I've only been working for Proof for sort of six weeks or so but yeah so far so good so it's really nice to be involved in something that like I say I spend a lot of the rest of my life looking at and talking about so it's yeah it's it's that's kind of in in short summary the uh, pre-season of what I've been up to.
0: Yeah you're working in marketing there yeah?
2: Mm-hmm. yeah that's right yeah so support Rob Sherratt who's the global marketing manager there so um, pretty much get involved with everything and that's just yeah it's been eye-opening and really interesting as well it's it's amazing to see the different people involved in the sport and how the different kind of intricacies that you don't see from the outsider's perspective as well so that's just been yeah it's been awesome so yeah like I say six weeks but gone pretty fast and obviously as a result I've then become more obsessed in the outside of my working life, so <laughs> all ties in
3: quite nicely,
0: awesome, good stuff, and then, uh Rachel, what about you?
3: Wow, <laughs> so a little link to Emily, although I did have a pony, and it was very expensive, so I went to bikes instead <laughs> 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 um. So, yeah, I... <laughs> um I find that quite a lot Lot of women in mountain biking. I don't know if it just makes them ballsier or happier balanced on top of a thing to have ridden horses first. Um, But I started cycling actually um, with my other half when we first got together. I'd always been able to ride a bike and we just started um, basically going on dates, bike riding together. Um, And My passion for cycling just grew from there. But in a, a job perspective... I did the Mega Avalanche and broke my leg in 2013 and had some time off from work. Um, I was a police officer at the time and started doing some writing for Enduramag. So I had a test bite from them and did some articles and stuff. And that got me the experience I needed to, when a job came up at MBUK, to apply for that and get the job. So I worked at um, Immediate Media for a little while. Um, One thing or another, I didn't stay there for that long. And me and my other half tried to move to New Zealand um, and we thought we might want to emigrate. So we went there for a year and worked for, um, well, freelance for some of the um, publications, but then I was the web editor for Spoke magazine, so just the online stuff over there. Um, uh, We came back to the UK because we decided that we didn't want to put all our eggs in that New Zealand basket um, forever. Um, And that's when I applied for a job or, well, I knew a colleague, John, that used to work at Bike Radar, was working um, with Raleigh Atkinson on Road TC, and they were starting off off-road TC. So that's when I joined the team there to work on that website, and that's where I still am now, um, aside from doing a bit of mountain bike coaching on the side as well.
0: And running a coffee business.
3: Oh, yeah. Yep. Boost Coffee Co. <laughs> yep. So I was. Um, we had a coffee trailer. <laughs> to do events with and of course we all know the COVID story about that. Um so I got into roasting. So I'm now roasting my own coffee, um, which is is really fun and um like a lot easier to sit around stuff than the events business. Um but yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah true. Amazing. Awesome. And you fairly Ooh. recently become editor at Offroad CC that's right, isn't it?
3: Yeah, that's right. John moved on um and I've stepped up to take the reins at Off Um and then we've um got somebody to fill my role as well as lots of freelancers to keep filling the pages.
0: Awesome. Good stuff. So let's let's talk a bit about what it's like being in the industry as a woman. Like how we'll carry on with you, Rachel. How's your experience been? Have you have you found it a welcoming industry to be in? Have you found any issues or challenges as a woman in the industry? Because still very much male dominated, although I think hopefully changing a bit.
3: Yeah, this is where I sort of take a look at myself and wonder why I haven't had any problems, if I should have had them. But I can really honestly say that I don't think I've had any problems because I'm a woman. I think that when I've had problems with people, I think um, that would have happened whatever sex either of us were, if you sort of mean. So in all, I've found the industry welcoming and I've found it easy to get along with. The only thing that I can take that I think makes me maybe set up to – have that experience is that I was that kid at school that had a real mix of friends and was happy in both male and female company and probably a little bit of a tomboy as well. So there's just comfortable working in any situation, if you see what I mean. I think that sort of leads on from there. Um, But yeah, I feel that if you set out just to see people as people and not um, make sort of divisions between us as male and female um everything flows along pretty well
0: good well, that's good to hear what about you Katie you're newer to the industry what what has been your kind of impression of it so far or well, very new to the industry I guess really. very new
2: yeah yeah no I completely agree with you Rachel I think um I definitely feel equal and that's something that I feel is amazing in 2021 I, th- I definitely feel that everybody I work with even though it's a predominantly male team in most respects um I don't I feel that I'm represented in the same way and I mean I've previously worked in f- like fashion fragrance and beauty so it's a completely completely female dominated world and my life changed obviously quite significantly <laughs> since then but so it's quite interesting moving from that kind of really yeah. female dominated world that is quite pro-female in a funny kind of way to a world that is more male dominated but actually feels very balanced and very equal especially in the working world i feel my my point has a lot of validity in pretty much every situation and i don't feel i was sort of bought into the role because i was female i think hopefully i was bought into the role because i had the experience and and i was able to sort of bring a bring a different viewpoint so i think i definitely felt especially coming through the recruitment process um at Nukeproof, that that was something I really wanted. I didn't want to be the token female, and that's definitely not what I feel like. Um, so, I've, yeah, exactly reflect Rachel's words. Really, in that it's I felt a really equal, balanced um, viewpoint from from the role in the industry so far, which is awesome.
0: Yeah, very much so. What about you, Emily? You're in a slightly different kind of position from the industry side of things, with uh, like the tourism side and the social media and YouTube side of things. How have you found the response there?
1: Really good. Um, I kind of, you know, I kind of feel the same way as Rachel and Katie, really. Like I've never never really experienced any sort of um, never noticed that there could be an issue because I'm a woman, I suppose. I mean, I do remember years ago some guys got assigned to me as that I was going to be their guide and they apparently had a bit of a whinge about it, and then I took them out riding the first day and by the end of the day they were singing my praises Um, but that's the only thing I've ever heard of (laughs) that's (laughs) quite funny really Um, so yeah I've not really had any issues and I kind of believe that because I'm a woman running a mountain bike holiday business that if there are any guys out there that have an issue with women maybe being quicker than them or anything like that then they just don't book a holiday with me so I get nice open-minded people who just love riding Uh their bikes you know so yeah I've never never really had any any problems in the industry as such had some funny experiences on the trails but that's a different story
0: (laughs) yeah yeah I was going to ask about that next like how has the response been or how do you feel when you're out and about on the trails and has that changed over the years because there's certainly from when I started riding which is a long long time ago there are significantly more women out and about on bikes now than there was then, which is which is really good. So I'm assuming things have changed a bit. But what are your thoughts, Emily?
1: Uh yeah, I think they have changed a bit. I had a pretty funny experience. Well to me it was it was funny. Um in Mosine in the summer we were riding we were just riding plenty mainline and we were trying to lay down a fast lap and um and some guys were in front of us. I think they'd just pulled out. And um, anyway we got to the bottom and, uh, and they turned around and said, oh, sorry, we were getting in the way. You know, they were really apologetic. They weren't getting in the way at all. Like, to be honest, I think they'd started from a standing start and we were, you know, we had lost momentum. And they were, definitely weren't in the way. But it was so nice that they didn't turn around and see a girl and just say nothing. They turned around and said, oh, sorry, were we in the way? Blah, 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 blah. And they were super nice about it. And like I say, they weren't in the way at all. But I think perhaps... 10 years ago, they might have turned around and been like, oh, that was a girl. Oh, how embarrassing. Whereas now it's not like that. But then conversely, another trail I was riding, uh, like one of the secret, like steep gully tracks on, well, not very secret, on Plenty, is it? But, you know, I mean, I came across a group of French guys. And this, I think, happens more with French guys. They see you, they see a girl and they're like, oh, bloody hell, we'd better get on with it because otherwise she's going to get in the way. And they... And then they get on with it and you're on the tail and they and they won't move over. They just keep going. And I but I think that there's a little bit more um what's the word? Systematic sexism in France. It's not as bad as it probably was, but I think the UK is more ahead with that. That would be my experience. I feel like male, well, French male riders can be a little bit more like a little bit more judgmental when they see a girl than perhaps British guys are at this point in time um but yeah it's I think it's better like I went to I went to someone and passed a load of people on a on a trail two guys and two girls and I got a massive cheer because I was like nailing this steep bit and I was like oh that's nice that's really cool like you know maybe the girls are stoked to see another girl do it I don't know but yeah that's yeah, it is different for sure. but and I, and I think in positive in the main,
3: yeah.
0: Yeah, that's good to hear. Have either of the rest of you experienced any strange behaviour or disappointing behaviour out on the trails?
3: I was going to ask Emily a question, actually. I was wondering if, in your experience, you have changed your mindset as well. Because while you were talking, it made me think that um, of a thing that came up previously. Because I um, I work for ProRide Mountain Bike Coaching. And a little while ago, I said to Ollie, I was like, how do do people know they're going to get me if they, you know, book in a session or is it just going to be like, oh, that's a girl. I'm not sure I want to be coached by her. And then he's explained how they do the booking process. So they know um, what my name's going to be. So obviously it's gonna, they're going to know there's a girl. Um, and that sort of yeah. made me think actually, yeah. like I shouldn't have had that worry because why should people think, oh, that's, that's going to be a girl that's going to coach me. And I thought, I don't usually think that in normal life when I'm on the trails, um, but actually I probably would have done maybe five, seven years ago. So my mindset's definitely changed, where I'm less worried about what people think of me. And I'm probably not that much faster than I was five years ago, maybe a bit. Um, Do you find the same? Uh,
1: Yes and no. Um, I mean, I never... like Riding-wise, I've never worried about what people think, because I just ride my bike and I'm pretty (laughs) thick-skinned. But, um, But... It let's say you go to like quite a, an intense place like a like dirt jumps or a skate park where everyone's in one place and everyone can see you. I definitely feel I feel like I've got to prove myself. I feel like I need to turn up, bust out like some styly move. Not that I've got many, and show that I actually know how to ride a bike because they just stare at you and you're like, don't stare at me. I just want to ride my bike, but you feel like you've got to bust some moves even if it's just doing a smooth run through the jumps or whatever, to 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 prove yourself. But downhill and just out on the trails where it's not so like focused, like where people can see, I don't really give it I've never really given it much thought. So so I don't think no, I don't think my mindset has changed. But yeah. <laughs>
0: To be fair, I'd say I would, I feel the same as you, Emily, turning up at somewhere like a set of dirt jumps or a a park that like that pressure, suddenly everyone's looking at you and you feel like you've got to be able to prove yourself. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's more, if that's a stronger feeling as a woman, you know, in the minority at those places or whether that's just the nature of that sort of environment, perhaps.
1: Yeah, it could be, because it is, like I say, it's quite intense. So Everyone can see you and you do feel like you're the outsider coming into this group, even though, you know, it's lots of miniature groups and a lot of them don't even know each other, but it can feel like that, can't it? So,
2: yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I definitely felt that learning to bike in whistler it was like a melting pot of like a dragon's den basically like you sit at the top of whatever trail and you feel i definitely felt it and i think that's probably why i felt so much more comfortable riding and so much my confidence is built so much more being in the uk because you don't have that same people taking an inside line on berms and scaring you loads and as a place to learn although it's super welcoming and there's a really nice female mix like there is a strong female environment out there there is a lot that as a as a bike park whistler do for for females but it doesn't negate from the fact that there is a certain type of person who only rides a line and who who wants you to get out the way and and i definitely felt that quite a lot in in Canada more so, less so out on the trails, but definitely in the bike park. Um, So I think, yeah, just talking sort of geographically, I guess more than anything that, yeah, being out there was pretty scary to learn to bike. And I definitely chose the trails more than I chose the bike park because of those exact reasons of like, you feel like you've got to prove something. And if you do slow someone down, you don't necessarily know how to get out the way in your first learning to bike or all those sort of worries that you kind of think about. And I was definitely mm. more conscious of it. In the UK now, I'm a, a little bit, probably a little bit better, a bit more confident, but also I feel like I can hold my own and say, oh, I'll go first. And I definitely didn't sort of have that confidence out there. So it's, yeah, maybe a bit of a park style riding as opposed to trail riding, but lots of other different factors as well.
0: Interesting. And you've you fairly recently kind of got stuck into the racing side of things, Katie, is that right?
2: Oh, very grassroots. Uh, let's not get too excited, Chris. <laughs> yeah, only like a couple of very, very grassroots. <laughs> but, but yeah, I just, I entered a race last year because we moved to a different place in the UK and I just wanted some more people to ride with. That was it. I didn't care if they're a male or female young old i just wanted some more people to ride with and i just thought this might be a good way to meet people and uh, it's a random way to do do that but actually it was it was exactly that and there's a group of three girls now just happened to be girls we rode all the transitions together and we ride pretty much bar lockdowns we ride every weekend and it it, we've just become really really good mates and i never thought necessarily that would happen but i just thought i'll try it test myself I'd competed previously with horses and quite liked that element of it and I thought I'll give this a go not fast at all compared to everybody else but actually I really found it a really welcoming environment and just local sort of like you know regional kind of um, competitions but it was so welcoming no one made you feel that you weren't worthy of being there and actually I just treated it as a way of riding trails that I don't necessarily get to ride anyway and yes so far, I've had a super positive experience from it, and I recommend it to anyone who's new enough to it. Really,
0: that's awesome that you've met riding mates through it. That's uh, that's really cool to hear. What about the what about your other experiences? Maybe I don't know Rachel or Emily on on the racing side of things. How have you found that?
3: Um, I've used it for the same way Katie has.
1: <laughs> I used to use it when I first started I used it to as a way of riding new tracks because I already had a friend group like from school because I started so young and um yeah and then yeah I got to and now like I remember I used to go to I used to race the pierce races best downhill series in the UK maybe outside of the SDA I've never raced an SDA but I know the Scottish folk level so yeah pierce cycles do a race there you'll love it but anyway i met so many cool people at those races so once I kind of moved on from being school age and riding with my friends from school that was a really cool way of getting to know people and some of those people you know it's a long time since I, I raced a pierce race now but some of those guys are still like you know they're lifelong friends which is really cool so so yeah
0: nice what about you Rachel I think you were saying you had a similar experience to Katie for finding riding mates from racing
3: yeah definitely um yeah, we do it for the same reason, either to find trails, um, have a good weekend away and find racing mates um, and that then become riding mates. And it's really interesting to see like the, maybe it's like with that sort of more use of social media and stuff. Now, instead of people thinking that they need to race, because obviously racing is not for everyone, they can meet up in social groups that are sort of for the same thing. So meet people in different places mm-hmm. and ride with different um yeah different groups as they were on on Facebook um in order to find those people that you can then take away and find the people that you like riding with the most and suddenly they're your friends and you're riding every weekend um so yeah it's cool it's um I think after a year of not being able to race at all I'm almost keen to go back not to race but just to have some like people interaction <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs>
0: Definitely. Is that You mentioned the online sort of thing away from sort of racing, maybe like, are there good resources that people can use then on kind of with Facebook groups or sp- specific websites? Like how have you networked into the women's side of the sport or just the general riding stuff outside of racing?
3: I wonder if it's, um, maybe because of the area of living now moving to FOD, you see a lot of people like, um, congregating at a trail center and then there's a couple of groups which um are run by some locals that then um allow people to join groups and and make friends and then either move off on their own or come back um it's um, not something i've been massively involved in um i think mainly because i have such like a firm group of friends that we ride with around here anyway and just having lots of like juggling lots of plates at the moment means like spare times um like limited but um it's cool to see you see things pop up on like feeds and that that are people well coronavirus admitting um that people are getting together and supporting each other and I wonder if that's a female thing you'd have to find out from some well maybe you'd be able to tell us Chris if um there's things like that that are as supportive for men um I don't think there probably is is there but women are such a supportive bunch of people that like yeah everyone everyone in mountain biking wants each other to grow I think I think that is a theme between both sexes isn't it but women are particularly supportive of each other and helping each other learn so yeah it's been cool to see
0: yeah Katie you mentioned when we chatted the other day I think that you you'd use some kind of Facebook group stuff is that right
2: yeah definitely I was having an interesting talk about this the other day and I was kind of saying I don't know how I got onto one of these Facebook groups I can't remember the what sort of prompted me to get there but i kind of feel like it's one of those situations that if you were new into biking you maybe had a trail center close to you it's kind of these facebook groups are maybe kind of like a door that you keep walking past and you don't necessarily open so i do think that when you're in them they're absolutely amazing and i feel it's a the perfect platform to ask any question i've seen all sorts go up on these pages and most of the time you either have a bit of a giggle altogether or you're just like, Great, I wanted to know that and I didn't feel confident to ask it or whatever. But I do feel like those that are maybe, you know, obviously there's been a ridiculous bike boom, those that maybe ha- wouldn't necessarily be introduced to them, how would they find them? And it's not an answer that I have, but I'm interested to sort of know that actually these exist and when you're in them there absolutely amazing and I think it's probably the bike female bike industry as a whole like once you're in it it's great and it's so supportive and it's really community-led but what sort of how, how how are people getting into them and especially these Facebook groups I don't know I think maybe I was looking to buy a bike and I got directed to it or something like that or I was buying some pedals or something I can't remember and I managed to sort of stumble upon it but I wonder whether if you aren't in that position would you not necessarily experience it for Two three years up and you know I don't know so it's an interesting kind of sort of thought that it, when you're in it it's amazing but getting into it is kind of a bit of a different story I think.
0: Yeah, Emily, you, I guess you promote your your YouTube channel and the video content that you're making through some of these Facebook groups. Like, have you got experience of the type of uh, rider that are finding these groups? That are there ones that are kind of very beginner focused and bringing women who are new into the sport in like does that exist or is it a more like a, like Katie said, maybe a couple of years in, you might get towards something like this.
1: Yeah. There's a couple of, of, uh, pages that I am in. And one of them's definitely kind of one of them's. I think it's very UK based and it's very definitely kind of established riders. Um, it's the MTV chicks and trails one. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, um, yeah. but that's really cool because like, you know, there's, yeah, like Katie said, lots of people asking questions and lots of people offering suggestions and what have you. And then there's another one, which is uh, US-based, but there's there's quite a few people from all over the world in it, which definitely feels like it's more new riders, like they're, they'll like, you can kind of tell, can't you, like, they'll post up. Photos of bikes, which I'd be like, oh, I don't want that bike. <laughs> but it's just cool because again, they're asking questions like, oh, you know, have you got any suggestions for what I should eat when I'm riding, or what what should I wear? You know, much more sort of beginnery type questions. So there's so there's two there, and I don't know, I don't know how they find them. Like somebody. I think I just, I wanted to find some other, some women's, pet. somebody told me about MTB chicks and Trails, ages ago, I was already in that before I'd started YouTube. Um, but the MTB Women's Experience, I think it's called, I think I just searched on Facebook for Women's MTB and I found it and joined it just to see what it was about. And yeah, so so there's definitely different levels of, of group with different standards of rider in and then i recently joined the what's it called the cycling uk group i think and i've seen some questions on there which are definitely sort of more like commutery type people thinking about getting gravel bikes or road bikes and and asking questions i had sort of questions today about um a particular bike and about the gearing, whether or not I'd be all right for climbing. So I went off and looked at the model of bike and then made a little response about what I thought it'd be like. So it's really cool because you just, it's really nice. It's lovely to have opportunity to, to, as a really experienced rider, to be able to offer assistance to people um, in terms of, like just my experience with that particular thing of knowing that the gears on that bike will be perfectly good for climbing steeper stuff. That was what she was after. Yeah. Just stuff like that. It's so nice to be able to, to help people out. So yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah. you have to send me some links to those and I'll, uh, I'll put them in the show notes so people can yeah, find okay. them if there's groups yeah. that, that any of you guys have found useful. Yeah. yeah please send great. them over. Let's, let's talk a little bit about kind of the higher level side of racing. Cause I know Emily, this is something that you're, you're certainly <laughs> very interested in and have a, have a passion for tell us a little bit you know how you feel about the the current setup at world cup i guess and then maybe the talent pathway from the kind of younger women all the way up like what sort of how healthy is the women's side of downhill racing or gravity based racing from from your point of view
1: uh it's it's both healthy and not healthy so by that I mean look at somebody like Michaela Parton, who's just finished top five in the World Champs. That's amazing, you know. Like clearly for talented riders, there's still very, very talented riders who just maybe have a little bit of extra support. I know she's a privateer, but there's different levels of privateer. Um there's clearly still a pathway if if you're very, very talented. But if you're somebody who maybe is a slightly slower learner, I think it's quite limited. So because of this top 15 qualifying thing. So when I used to race downhill World Cups, it was top 30 to qualify. And to be fair and to be brutally honest, there were definitely people in the 20 to 30 positions in qualifying who probably weren't World Cup material. You know, sometimes that would be me as well. But And then they changed it. I think they changed it in 2007 to top 20. And I thought that was a really good balance between being the sharp end of racing And the sort of ability to progress because, yeah, top 15, I I think I got top 15 like twice ever. Um, And whilst I'm clearly not the fastest runner in the world, I'm not exactly rubbish either. Uh, So that's, to me, that's sort of like how difficult it is to get in the top 15, but I could get in the top 20 without too much difficulty. So if I had wanted to progress if it was i wouldn't go to world cup now if, if, if it was 10 years ago now and i was still like trying to race world cups so there's no way i'd go because i wouldn't think that i could get in the top 15 so i think that's a real barrier to to people progressing through you know from national into into world cup downhill women in the women's side because i think it's quite off putting to think that you're going to spend all that money and all that time and make all that effort to get to an international race And then probably not qualify because they've made it so difficult. I think the top 20, as I said, was just the perfect sort of balance between the two. And it would be really nice to see that come back. Uh, I think my limited understanding is that the reason it's top 15 is to do with telly and Red Bull and stuff. So it would be interesting to talk to them to find out if that is what it is and if there's something we could do about that to, to, to solve that problem. And the other thing is that the top five, the A practice thing, so the top five women get to practice with the, the fastest men. I actually think that's really unfair um, because the track's going to be completely different to the, you know, if you're in B practice, my understanding is if you're in B practice, you practice it like really early in the morning, eight o'clock in the morning. Let's say there's some dew on the ground, the track's going to run completely different to how it is at 10 o'clock in the morning when it's dried up a bit people have been riding it and it's just so completely different. And I think that disadvantages the girls that are sitting in like sixth to 10th who have totally got the ability to get in the top five on any given day, but they're not able to practice with faster teammates or, or, or or friends and look at lines together because they're not allowed to practice in that practice. And I just think that disadvantages them massively. Um, And it's a little bit worrying that the rider's rep that doesn't speak up about that because obviously it's to, I think, I'm not going to say who I think it is, but I think I know who it is and she's top five. And, um you know, it's obviously to her advantage to, to potentially not have those other five girls in, like if it was top 10 in A practice. Uh, I think that's a bit, a bit rubbish as well. Like, I think maybe they need to have a little look at how the rider's reps, like maybe there should be, uh, not a rider who's a rider's rep, but somebody external, because obviously if you're a World Cup racer, actually you need to be focused on your race, and there's no potentially no time to to be considering others and uh, you know that kind of thing. Perhaps it would be better if there was a representative who, almost like a commissaire, like who is it who uh, attends the race, but who isn't actually riding, so they can actually have meetings and listen to people and 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 perhaps make changes like. I remember doing an Enduro World Series race at La Tour, and I saw Chris Ball, and uh, he said, "Oh, how's it going? You know, everything good. Got any feedback?" And you know, it's so nice to have that one of you know the, one of the race organisers say, "Is there anything that we can do to improve?" Like that's that's brilliant, you know. Like why can't they do that at World Cups? And so yeah, that's what I'd like to I'd like to see. I'd like to see them go back to top twenty to qualify, and I'd like them to to at least make. A practice opens the
0: top 10. Yeah. Do you think there's more, there's an onus on the national bodies to work more focused on the, I guess the pathways for younger women through up to World Cup level? Because if there was more high caliber riders looking for those spots at World Cup, surely World Cup would have to think again about creating more spots. You know, if there's, if there's only 20 women that want to enter, then letting 15 in seems reasonable. if there's 50 amazing women that want to enter and they're only letting 15 in that seems much harsher do do we do we think that there's an onus on the on the kind of national bodies as well like how well Rachel and Katie we're both we're all based in the u k like have you got any visibility of what goes on there like in the in the well yeah the earlier ages for women?
3: Rachel, you probably know more than I do, about it. I really haven't. I don't know if you have Katie, but no, uh, it's difficult because I'm not in that scene and I'm not, I've never tried to be. What strikes me from, uh, well, from like sort of an enduro point of view, it really seems that if you manage to, through, I don't really believe in like good luck, so through your perseverance, land yourself a Sort of mentor where they can push you through and help you take good turns in the early stages it seems to set them in good stead and that is nothing sort of uh, that's no help from from this sort of british cycling those other bodies i wouldn't have thought um and that seems to be where it seems to be a good um what's the word uh, like program that could be implemented for lots of young riders so they all have that support and um, where it's not necessarily funded oh, so they're not being, you know, paid to race, but just allowing them to make good decisions and further their career themselves. Um, But I really don't have too much insight apart from it does look like something's lacking. We seem to have a a real lack of youngsters available to come up and fill spots. And it sort of relates to everything in women's mountain biking, doesn't it? There is is obviously less of us doing it. And so there's less money. And whether that be down to kit choices or race slots for us to fill in the top 15 or top 20, it probably all comes down to money, doesn't it, unfortunately?
0: I've got a bit of insight into the British cycling side of things. I know they are working on talent pathways um, with a focus on mountain biking as well and certainly with a focus on on the women's side of the sport. I think they recognise that more needs to be done. But again, it's yeah, they've had budget struggles and they've had – issues through COVID and stuff like that as well. So I think trying to do everything they want to do is very, very hard, but there certainly is an intention there, which is is good to hear, I guess. What what about in the the industry side of things?
2: Yeah, I think, and this might be completely contentious because I don't know if this is necessarily true. Obviously, I've got very limited experience in the racing world, but I actually think there's a bit more of a wider issue about talent pathways, male and female. I think it comes down to like you said Rachel it, it finances and I think there's a great from my limited experience a really great grassroots level and quite a good sort of world cup level but there seems to be quite a big sort of gap really in the middle of there and I don't know that you know actual pathway would isn't necessarily that clear especially i think for for young people i think there's great you know sponsors take you on and and you can progress through different sort of but there's a, a awesome level of grassroots racing and there are some ridiculously fast young riders in those but how do they then make that jump so i sort of see it actually as as a more of a male an overall sort of thing rather than actually male or female i'm i'm not saying at all that it's equal because I don't know about it enough, but it, it's interesting to see that
3: there's there's struggles from both sides, um, I think, sort of across the board, really. It would be interesting to see if it was possible to think of everything as one big money pot. So cycling pathways or whatever it might be is just, you know, so maybe the men's side makes more money, but it's split evenly so we can totally um, – why shouldn't we There's 50 let's say there's 50 50 men and women on this planet but why shouldn't there be just as many women racing at those speeds and at those elite levels as men <laughs> whether or whether it's this sport or another sport i guess um but that would be dream world wouldn't it you know like some brands might um uh, make a cycling commuter helmet and a mountain bike helmet and they know that the mountain bike helmet is gonna um gonna sell less because more people Mm -hmm. might buy the commuter one but then like the funds are sort of split over both so investment in both comes in place
1: i was just gonna say like following on from what you said chris about um british cycling trying to to do some some good stuff with talent pathways it was actually really nice to see uh for the world champs this year that they so when i was racing they uh, do you remember um What's it called? World Champs was in uh, Fort William in 2007 and they set some criteria, which me and somebody else met. And then they said, oh, no, we're not going to select you. And um, There was a bit of a hoo-ha. Well, not, not a major hoo-ha, but a bit of a hoo-ha. They've always been very strict and they're always like, we're not going to send you to World Champs unless you're absolutely a medal uh, hope. And then this year they sent some people who perhaps weren't going to get in the top three, but they sent them anyway. And I was like, oh, what? that's cool. That's refreshing because finally they're sending some people who can gain some experience and then hopefully maybe they'll get to go next year. And then Michaela comes fifth. I mean, I'm not sure what her best previous World Cup result was, but that's amazing. Like what if they hadn't have sent her? What if they'd have gone, oh, well, let's look at her previous results. Oh, we don't think she's going to get a medal. Uh, You know, that's just so refreshing to see that they actually sent some people that, that may not have been allowed to go previously. Um, Yeah. So I hope that will happen again this year. I hope that it wasn't just because Rachel was injured and, and yeah, so fingers crossed that that continues in the right direction for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Rachel, you mentioned kind of brands and allocation of funds. Are there particular brands out there that you would say are doing a good job on the women's side of things? Are there particular Projects or particular brands that you feel like okay, that's that's impressive, or does everyone need to do a bit more?
3: It's difficult, isn't it? I think because a lot of brands do a lot of good things differently. So there's one brand that might do great fitting kit. Like I'm quite enjoying using some layer kit at the moment, but then their downfall is that they don't provide a properly waterproof jacket for women. So <laughs> they have different levels of kit, and the women's jacket is only the lowest level, which is useless as a waterproof. Um So Yes, I'd spend money on them, but actually they don't provide everything that I want. And you find that, again, it must come down to it's come down to funding, isn't it? There's obviously they're going to make less money out of a cycling kit for women because less women are going to buy it. But actually, we still all need those things. Um, but then there's other brands that are producing like for like. Like I had some Seven Mesh stuff in on test recently. Um, and if there's a men's jacket like that, there's a women's one. And it fits great. And it's so their the plus side for them is that they they seem to be able to match men's and women's stuff which is great um there are a couple of brands that spring to mind it's um it's always refreshing for women's kit to fit well um Mm. and not just be sort of short shorts or shorts that fit around the waist but not around the legs I'm sure that is a (laughs) <laughs> a thing that most women I speak to are crying out for and I'm just yeah. not sure why people haven't realized <laughs> what most women cyclists thighs look like <laughs> um but yes yeah, I mean Katie might realize into like the nuke proof line there's probably some bits missing in that line that you'd like to feel definitely. as as compared to the men's so hey? yeah
2: definitely and I think it's I just joining the brand I was like oh hold on I need an extra small like and I'm not, it's not a good thing or a bad thing. I just needed things that were small cause I'm pretty tiny and it's just, and it, it's maybe it's, I don't know, is it a chicken and egg scenario? Like are pe- women's views getting projected to those brands in the right way, or is there a, a sort of voice? Is there a way that brands can listen to those, those women that need that? And, you know, for example, uh, Rob's not involved in mountain bike chicks and trails, so he might not see on there that women really want, you know, like uh, something that fits around the waist, but something that's got more room around the legs because we've generally got strong legs because we ride bikes. You know, it's those kind of things. So, I think there are so many brands that speak to my core values. And although I want something that fits really well, I I definitely obviously want something that fits me. I can't be dealing with something that's flapping around or whatever. I think being the size I am, I don't necessarily have a load of problem with different fitting. So I think it's maybe it's us using our voices in the industry to kind of say, right, what do you guys want? We want to hit, like it's it's kind of giving a voice, I guess, a little bit more than um, it's, I think it's very difficult for brands to understand what women want if they're not interested, if they're not involved or vice versa. And I think also then there's multiple different problems of how do you size every single person on the planet it's like the same for men as it is the same for females so there's got to be some leeway but things like you know shorter sleeves on jackets and you know room for your chest and room for you know having your your phone not not on your chest because it's uncomfortable as a woman and things (laughs) like that like they're definitely little nuances that I think is yeah we can definitely do as brands that we can elevate people's voices a little bit better um
3: and i love to do that and in a better way really picking up on um like sort of the big machine of clothing and brands as a whole right because you can't turn around tomorrow at new proof and be like right we're doing this this is an extra small and i've got an extra large a bit like Um, like bikes, like it's taken, I think Trek being now producing like nine different size bikes for all its models. That's insane. Mm -hmm. But you are unlikely to find one that doesn't fit you. And so then you think, oh, it's a big old machine to like get all those cogs wearing and make those changes. But actually, let's say I've been properly in this industry since like 2013. And it's now 2020. So from having to wear men's Troy Lee downhill shorts for years, Mm -hmm. it's actually all evolved like yeah. pretty quickly and if things carry on picking up this sort of pace and keep rolling along like they are um it's exciting and yeah. there's so much more choice now than there ever used to be
1: yeah it's really cool like, i um i went off to um scott france the other day to pick up a bike and uh, i was chatting to the to the marketing lady there and and we were just talking about the fact that there are way more women getting into mountain biking and women love to accessorize like they enjoy just going shopping for the sake of it. And I think they really appreciate that. And they're trying to like, you know, make, I mean, I've always, I'm, I'm so like, it's a bit of a dream come true to be sponsored by Scott, because I've always loved their clothes, but I actually find them quite hard to find in the UK or I did when I was there. Their clothes are so nice. I really like them. And I think they do appreciate that, that, women like good clothes that fit well and that have nice colors and and have nice features as well so there's definitely I mean I am singing the praises a bit because they're helping me out but I do think that you know even before they were helping me out I think they're a really good they're a really good brand um in terms of of women's women's clothing so yeah it's nice and it's nice to know that they're aware of the fact that women want to they want to enjoy the shopping experience when when they're looking, including for when they're looking for mountain bike clothes.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think just having, um, it would be awesome if it was almost kind of like some sort of, I mean, it would never be possible because the choices would be never ending. But having women's feedback in a central sort of location, I do see those kind of Facebook groups. A little bit as that. Like often, word of mouth is obviously the most important thing in the world. And if I see someone else on there, I see so many people asking for recommendations. So the more kind of in tune brands are to those environments, those little communities around in lots of, and not just online on in at the trailhead and in those kind of sort of environments where we might not necessarily be race focused we might not necessarily be whatever focused you know actually just being a little bit more in tune is is so going so far and like you say Rachel there is so many more options in three years even since I've started riding that than there were before and I think in the UK we are really good at that so I definitely think we're there's exciting things to come for sure.
0: That's good to hear. What do any of you find like specific gaps? Is there anything that you're really desperate for that works for you that you can't find out there at the moment? Right?
1: I've previously found it quite difficult to sort out shots. Um, Because I've got a strange shaped bum, (laughs) so like on the what must be like the international standard of (laughs) sizing, my bum should be like a size fourteen and my my waist is a size (laughs) twelve. So trying to sell out shorts is such a pain in the neck. But I think that's just unique to my shape. I don't know. (laughs) So yeah, it'd be nice to have maybe a bit more bum space.
3: Yeah, (laughs) Um, (laughs) love it I think apart from actual clothing being (laughs) women specific the only thing that I use or the other thing that I use that definitely needs to be women women specific randomly Mm -hmm. is backpacks but it might just be short people specific so that sort of like like um bike sizes you need the one that fits you whether you're male or female but yeah backpacks I'm always Backpack's Mm -hmm. too
0: long for me. Hit me in the back of the head. Interesting. I'm quite sure and I've had that problem before.
3: Buy yourself a women's pack. It might not fit any test as well. (laughs) (laughs) We'll Yeah. No, I think
2: I don't know necessarily. I've had again, like I say, like I've probably got a more boyish figure than a female figure, but I've got a partner who's similar-ish size to me and it's like he struggles with the same things big is too big around the waist or it's too small around the waist so actually I don't I don't know whether I have particular trouble in something that I'd want female specific but again I'm probably not a great representation of a larger part of the market so I mean I've got an amazing pair of riding trousers the only sort of thing that I've got super short arms and it's the most annoying thing in the world when you have tops that like Scuff round your hmm. gloves, and as you're trying to fit it all on and undy different layers, especially in the winter. So yeah, just just the little things. But I think, yeah, I think backpacks. I've got, I bought myself one, and we share it, which is fine. But it fits me, and it's a nice Evoc one, and it's short, and it's hmm. female, sort of more female specific, I guess, and it fits my little tiny short back, and that's perfect. But had I had something that was knocking me in the back of the head, like yeah, that would be. Yeah, it's just it it is about being comfortable and especially for new riders, I think it's about feeling in sort of empowered in that you aren't like, oh, God, the trousers are too tight. Like I look silly or whatever, you know, it's kind of bringing confidence to people in what they wear. So I think as long as brands are bringing confidence to a lot of people and performance, of
3: course, and all the things they want, I think that's really important. That's such a good point. Like just being comfortable and like when i'm coaching i sort of try to talk to people about like the mindset they might like drop into the start of a trail and it's kind of the same thing isn't it if you walk out your house or get out of the car in the kit and you know that it's not going to cause you any problems it's like one less hassle thing to <laughs> think about and then you can get on and enjoy your ride that's so definitely yeah
1: definitely.
0: let's let's talk a little bit about mountain bike media how are the media doing in like covering the women's side of the sport both racing oh, and non-racing. Oh, well
1: i guess Who you two like of all three of you might have seen there's something that's blown up um just in the past few days about uh, somebody wrote into mbr and said my wife's really angry because there's not enough women's content in mbr and it's absolutely gone off and poor old mbr are getting a bit of flack for this because they sort of said well we haven't got a female staffer and everyone's like well just hire one then well yeah, I think that's easier said than done. I can kind of see it from both sides. So, but I know they've got a plan. They're trying to, they're trying to improve. And then I know that MBUK have got, um, oh, lass, and I can't remember her name, but she used to be a skier. Well, she probably still is a skier, but she's, <clears throat> she's one of the test people. Yeah. So it's cool. They've got her. And then um, I've seen some girls on the front cover of a few magazines lately. And there's um, in Pranked Magazine, I've seen some stuff written by, Oh dear, I can't remember who. <laughs> Somebody but she was female. <laughs> so yeah, I think they're trying. I mean, obviously, I think there's still a long way to go, but they are trying. Um, I think video-wise, it'd be nice to see, for me anyway, I'd like to see some more high-energy edits. So you get a lot of male edits where it's just like, blah, 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 and you're like, whoa, want to go riding. And sometimes you get some female edits, and I don't know whether it's just the way they've edited it or what they decided to include and it's like yeah that's nice but I don't feel inspired to ride it'd be nice to see something a bit more inspirational but of course that depends on your taste like some people might watch a video that I find not very inspirational and be like oh yeah I, yes let's go riding so this horses for courses isn't it
3: I think with the mountain bike media I think people make make mistakes in terms of um I find the mountain bike media um or maybe the industry in general um uh like less professional maybe than some other industries like you might get a lot of non-repliers or um like less commitment to stuff and i think that in some places um the mountain bike media like lets um decisions get made like as if like the way the water flows so like the easiest route is taken and i know that i've definitely um been a part of that whether it be I've done something or got somewhere because of someone I know and so whether I should feel bad about that or be embarrassed or maybe I just feel um um like it, maybe someone else should have had the opportunity as well if you see what I mean so I'd like to see um uh, sort of open our doors a little bit more to outside mm-hmm. and a bit like racing like get allowing people to gain that experience that lets them um, not like climb the ladder in a career sort of way but let them get on board and then give us this bigger pool to fish from mm-hmm. um yeah it definitely feels like we've got a lot of closed doors um and what yeah, why aren't MBR and MBUK opening the doors to someone else um to come in and say well this is me I'm totally new to this but I ride bikes I know what I talk about and I you know i think there's probably few actual trained journalists everyone's sort of learnt on the job so let's teach a few more people to to learn the job and have some more um more ideas and opinions and more varied pool to choose from yeah that would be
1: really cool i think
2: yeah i think and i wonder if it's i mean i seem to be talking about this a lot but i wonder if it's almost uh putting like rachel you say like you feel like maybe you should feel embarrassed about it but actually if I was looking at that, I would say absolutely not, you know, like you put yourself out there and I think that's a terrifying thing for a lot of people to do and I can only talk from my own very limited experience, but I hounded the HR person at Proof until they gave me an interview and I thought I've got nothing to lose. If they say no, I'm not going to get it. If I, they say yes, I have a chance of getting it, you know. And so is it that a more kind of like push yourself out there, females, ladies, women, and the opportunities may be more fruitful for you if you push yourself out there. And we encourage people to do that because that isn't an easy thing for everyone to do. And I'm not saying that is, isn't. I totally understand that. But is it that we push people to, to put themselves out there a little bit more? Like you'll get knocked down. That's the same as everything in life, I think, that you do and male or female. And I think it's p- pushing people to put themselves out there because the opportunities won't come and Land on the lap, you know we all are having to work hard for it, maybe females a little bit more, but actually pushing ourselves into that limelight, so we're less easy to
1: ignore. I guess I think some people would argue that oh, I have seen people arguing that, oh, well, just because you're a woman, you shouldn't have to try harder, you shouldn't have to push you know put yourself out there, but mm-hmm. actually, if you think about yep. any walk of life, if there's something that you really want to do and that's your dream, then you do what you can to, to make it reality. So it doesn't really matter whether you're a guy, guy or a girl, kind of what, like what Katie was saying. Like you, mm-hmm. if you want to work in the bike industry, then figure out how to do it and crack on, whether you're a girl or a guy. Just, you know, like, uh, yeah, I think you've got you've to put yourself out there and not be held back with this idea that, mm-hmm. oh, well, I shouldn't have to put myself out there because I'm a woman. No, no, don't worry about what sex you are. Just crack on and just try and make it happen.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can tell with what we um, all think in the same way. I like because that totally, what well, you've just said sort of epitomizes how mm. I want myself to be seen as well, Emily. Like I, I just want to be um, mm. a person that reviews bikes and it doesn't matter um, what sex I am and it doesn't matter what sex person yeah. is that's reading the review. I just yeah. want them mm. to relate to me. So yeah, take yeah, definitely. male and female out of it.
0: My, my experience of the mountain bike world or mountain bike industry is that you do have to push. Like I wouldn't, the, the podcast <laughs> yeah. wouldn't exist if I hadn't been quite stubborn. So I can understand what you're saying completely that you really, you yeah, you have to keep showing up mm-hmm. and you have to keep yeah. pushing on the doors until they open if you really want to get somewhere. And like you say, I think that is universal whether you're male or female, but maybe it's, it's it feels particularly relevant in the mountain bike industry to me. Mm-hmm. That's been my experience anyway.
3: I think the thing that we do have to overcome maybe as females is that we um... – and this might be like part of um not part of the way we've brought up but just the um wider society as a whole maybe does think of us differently which is obviously something that we're trying to combat but I think that leads to us being maybe a little bit more timid or having to learn to be pushier mm. um or learn to like trust ourselves and be more outspoken I know that when I first started going to trade shows I would be super nervous just about having to make like small talk and whether that's a male or female thing I've Can't think that I'd ever really seen any blokes in the same situation as me, sort of having that problem. So then I had to overcome not wanting to make small talk with people and learning to make small talk to then keep pushing and make those connections that then will potentially in the future like further my career. But definitely intermingled with with each other and sort of how society drives us. Mm -hmm. I I
1: think I'd agree with that actually. Like literally just before this podcast, I said to David, my husband. Ah, oh, I was a little bit nervous, and I was like, "I don't know anything about, I don't know anything about what we're supposed to be talking about." You said, "Don't be silly." Yes, you do, and I think it's just almost oh, like you say it's like societal, I don't know, the way that we're brought up, maybe that makes us doubt ourselves a little bit and and to lack yeah. confidence. And maybe you know, maybe now that that started to, Definitely. people have realised that, like people of like like our age you have now got children, maybe that won't be. Said to their to their to their daughters. I don't know, but it'd be nice if it started to be a bit more even in the way that children are treated, so that they believe in themselves. Oh, so we can just hope for that. But yeah, and I think it
2: it yeah. kind of rem- sort of makes me think of mountain biking as a whole. I think I've always felt like yeah, like I'm really nervous on so many, di- and I'm like, right, I've got to overcome this. So for like. And I think a lot of people feel that it's it's a sport where you feel very um, – you're put constantly pushing boundaries, I think, for a long time before you get comfortable on in a, a wider sort of variety of different riding terrains. And I think if we can push ourselves in the sport to do things that scare us, because ultimately women – whether this is a casting aspersions, but ultimately women are, do have a more self-preservation kind of outlook. If we can push ourselves to do that in the trails, we mm. can push ourselves to do it in our working life. And I feel biking is the only reason I yeah. have felt confident to stand up and, in a room full of male, female people which whatever gender they are but who are of a higher level or you know have sort of different responsibilities from me and biking has definitely given me that confidence over er any other sport because I if I can prove to myself that I can whatever hit this I can prove myself that I can do that outside of my life so I I'd like to hope Hmm. that biking can empower women in that way that we can if we can do it out on the trails we can definitely do it in a group of people
3: that's so cool that's definitely true definitely true like um when when I'm coaching people like I always think like um so a friend once said to me he's like what you know you want to feel powerful which is exactly what you're saying Katie so stand at the top of the trail and make a pose whatever it might be that makes you feel powerful and then like because everything physical is like mentally related Mm -hmm. isn't it so you feel powerful you feel like you can achieve it so then you go down the trail and you You actually nail that corner or whatever it is, and then bit by bit the trail puts itself together because you're empowered, Mm -hmm. and that's what you're also explaining about your your well your career, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: it gives me goosebumps when you talk about that. But that's so true. Yeah, and I think you get to the (laughs) bottom of the trail and you're like, hell yeah! Like (laughs) I just did that, and I am not the type of person. Like all my school friends are like. Sorry, you now ride bikes. you used to be scared to get on a pair of skis when we were at school, and now I'm like, yeah, well, now, and it is it's that whole proving to yourself, I think, and if like, i really hope that that put peters out and filters out to the different sort of sectors, I guess
0: that's awesome to hear about that trans that transfer mm-hmm. of how you feel on the bike to mm-hmm. how you approach things in in the rest of life. That's really cool what so as women in the sport and in the industry how do you guys feel about being role models yourselves? Do you feel a pressure? How do you go about being the best role model that you can be? Uh, Go on, uh, Emily, Um, we'll start with you.
1: I suppose I never really thought of myself as a role model um, until one or two people that I've guided or friends have said that they somehow find me inspirational. And I was like, Oh, you just, I just didn't realize. So, from my point of view, I've always I've never felt any pressure to be a role model and I've always just been myself. And you know, I'm genuinely passionate about bikes and riding and enthusiastic about, you know, when I'm guiding or coaching, I just like get so stoked that people are enjoying themselves and that they're progressing. It's that's just me, that's just how I am. Um, but I think kind of looking outside of myself a bit and a bit more wider, it's important, yeah. So it's important to be yourself and to be genuine. And I also think it's important to be gracious mean, you know, sometimes you see people at the races who perhaps didn't get the result that they thought they should, and they need to not let that show. You know, it's important to to be a, a gracious second place finisher or third place finisher. I'm going to call them losers, but because you're not a loser if you're on the podium, doesn't matter where you come really. But yeah, do you see Is what you... I mean? Though, like, yeah, it's just important to be. It's just important to be a nice person, I think, and just you know, just yeah. I think that's to me. That's what's important. (laughs) I definitely
2: don't think I class myself as a role model in any way, shape, or form. But Emily, I'm definitely inspired by your videos. So I I watched or tried to do wheelies during lockdown because of your videos. I did land on my bum lots of times, but that's fine. (laughs) But yeah, I think I think really what I definitely don't think I'm necessarily a role model at all. But I think we can represent brands as working speaking from a new proof perspective, we can represent brands as best as we can, male, female, in being inclusive, being true to what the brand is, then that's the most important thing. Like some people will choose a new proof bike because it really relates to their values. And I don't think it's relevant whether you're female, male, you've got I'm talking to you, any of our Sam Hills talking to you. I think you're inspired by the brand and what its values are. So I think as a sort of Proof person, I, I think I just want to make sure that we are the truest we can be to the brand. And if I can be a role model to be true to what I joined Nukeproof because I love their values, that that's the most important thing for me, really. I think regardless of, I think I echo completely what Emily says as well, like we, we can be positive and Im- invite people into this world because it it's intimidating world maybe but if you if you align with the brand's values bring them on bring the customer on the journey like it's a cool place to be and i think if you can align with people's values then you're you're halfway there
0: rachel what are your thoughts on on being a role model yourself and then on on maybe what goes into being a good positive role model in the sport and the industry
3: it's difficult isn't it because um Anyone could be a role model, right? So whether it's my mum or it's Emily, whoever I look up to. I think for me, the girls are right. It's about being a genuine person. So if I looked at Tracy Mosley, for example, and thought that she was a role model for me, um, I find myself thinking about what she is or might be like personality-wise and then trying to follow, because everyone has great successes, right? So whether whichever racer it is, so I know that she's successful and ace on a bike. But then actually, it's the way that someone um, uh, oh, oh, they uh, behaves around source. other people yeah. that's actually the most mm-hmm. um, sort of thing that I. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's the how I would hope that people would look at me as a role model for the way that I behave and then keep tabs on that and make sure I always behave well when a genuine person. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this earlier because I'm in this. Um, WhatsApp group, which is massive and a lot of uh, one of those ones that you don't have the alerts on, yeah. so you just go through from time to time, read it. um And I was thinking, actually, there's a few names that pop up. You two are probably both there as well. um So there's a few names that pop up time and time again. And I think, actually, those girls are pretty sound and they're obviously quite outspoken in a good way. And almost we could not tell people who needs to be role models, but utilize these people to be more. Um, like of a driver in this mm-hmm. women's industry mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to yeah see if we can take these people that we think in the industry make good role models and see if they can um form some sort of collective to help people that are that don't have as much access to being able to speak out um be able to drive things forward in whatever sphere it might be so sports bras to periods to yeah. when you should train to what shorts you should buy you know yeah mm-hmm. definitely uh really i totally agree with you rachel yeah i think
2: that's yeah i'm on the i on the same whatsapp group and that is such a cool idea yeah to to push these elevate these people into a like they're inspiring or role models to us then let's sing their praises let's let's kind of
3: be their wingmans i guess (laughs) and women (laughs) they're a link between um there's kind of people that Katie might need to speak to, to find out about what she needs to do in the next move Mm -hmm. with the brand, to those brands, to then back to, yeah, to drive in sales and then to just into participation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. I was going to, I was going to ask you, I mean, you all, all three of you are in roles that enable you to positively drive the sport forwards, but also to positively drive the women's side of the sport forwards. What yeah what plans do you have in your own areas to kind of work on that what are your hopes and aspirations for the next i don't know 5 years for example and, and rachel i guess that's that maybe grouping together of some people that you think would create a really good strong kind of collective of women role models is is a really nice idea in itself but are there a, are there other things that you see as kind of <laughs> something you can positively influence
3: sounds like i've just given myself a job doesn't it <laughs> um, Yeah. <laughs> so part, part of my um like ideal for off road is that people just obviously see me and my team on complete equals reviewing and testing the same stuff so i'd like that to continue um and i know that a way for doing that is to get our faces on youtube and to get our personalities out there so that's kind of a little thing for the future is to um, be more visual like myself um, but as a to sort of give back to other people I'd quite like to um, do some stuff around e-bikes and women it seems to be still like a lot of I think another thing was is me being stereotypical to my own sex we're quite like um, like to beat ourselves up and there's a lot of women on e-bikes where they feel that they should still say I've just got this e-bike because I can't keep up on my other half. And so blah, blah, blah. And I said to a lady the other day, I was like, you've got a normal bike and you've got your e-bike, right? You choose to ride the e-bike because there's a choice you've made that you want to get better at downhill. Mm-hmm. Like not down racing or anything like that, but just riding downhill. So kind of believe in yourself and like stick with that choice that you've made because it's fun. And don't beat yourself up about making a choice that you think you're losing fitness or doing it because it's a cop-out or whatever it might be because it's totally not. Um, so, I'd quite like to do some e bike racing. Um, mm. And I'd like to, yeah. Yeah, so maybe get back into racing, do some e bike, and hopefully allow those people to see that we can make a choice and not beat ourselves up about it because other people are thinking that it's easy or that, you know, mm-hmm. e bikes are, are, are not for people that want to train hard or race or anything like that. um don't think anyone's sort of really taken a stand for that just yet. So, that'd be cool. Definitely if corona goes away
1: nice. actually I've got some <laughs> thoughts about e-bikes as well so uh one of my friends did the EWS 50 I think in Pietro Luguri and she's been raving about it because she really she enjoys the climbing element of of e-bikes and then I saw Tracy's um Tracy Mosley's videos on EMBN with uh Jonesy and uh like seeing like the best way to get up hills and stuff and I was like oh that's really cool so i hope to be able to produce some e-bike related videos in the future just talking to scott about that at the moment so hopefully that'll come off so um and i'd like to try a a race i'll die on the uphills even with a motor because i'm rubbish at technical climbing (laughs) but yeah that would be i sort of yeah i'm kind of with you on that rachel i think yeah it'd be really cool to to do some more with e-bikes yeah and like you say like just have people realize that they've maybe picked that bike because it gives them more fun. It makes riding more accessible. Let's let's imagine a typical housewife with two kids. She hasn't got time to go on a two-hour mountain bike ride, but she can nip out for 45 minutes an hour on her e-bike. Brilliant. You know, like when, I don't know, when,
3: <laughs> yeah. You know, I just think that's really good, but... Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, the, the gains that you can get, like, from riding that e-bike just for the two hours, whatever it is, is so much more than just getting out and riding your bike, right? And it comes back to, yeah. like, yeah, the feeling of empowerment. You know,
1: personally, I find if I just go outside, if I've had a busy day on the computer or something and just go outside for an hour, it just makes me feel so much better. So if an e-bike means you can do that, yeah, like you say, it's just better for you more than just the bike riding. So, yeah, I, don't, I think e-bike's yeah. brilliant myself. I don't actually have one yet, but... Working
2: on it. <laughs> yeah definitely like I think they all sound and I've not been involved in the e-bike world at all but I think exactly as you say like if if it imp- lets people go and ride for two for get out then that is awesome like that's so much better than thinking you don't have time to do it or whatever um from a like shameless plug perspective we're we're actually launching a Women's series um, with our epic roster of athletes. So, we've got some amazing athletes on the brand, obviously. Um, and I think it's something that I've been working on, not to to come in with a feminist perspective, but to just again, like I say, reflect maybe those voices that brands aren't necessarily able to listen to. Like it, it maybe you know it's not it's not an option. It, it works both ways. So I think really to answer the questions that. Not just I had, but that everybody asks. I mean, I put a Facebook post up in Mountain Bike Chicks and Trails not so long ago, and I was like, I don't even use Facebook. I was like, oh, I'll just post in here, see what happens. And the response was unbelievable, talking about what would people like to hear from our female athletes, like you, Emily, like learning those skills, breaking it down, hearing from a woman, like all the different things that people that really relate to people. And I think it's just building that relatability. There's a lot of mm-hmm. relatability for males in the indis- in the sort of mountain bike world. But I don't know, there's, we're a building progress for, for that in the female kind of environment. And I think some of our athletes have, are just, have got such a great thing to say, even if it's setting up your bike, like I, did not know how to set up my mega when I got it. But now, you know, I've asked all the right questions and stuff like that and watched different videos. And if we can give people a one-stop shop to say, right, this is what you should change. This can make this bike fit you perfectly. Then that is, yeah that's really what we're looking to do so that will launch an international women's day and it's going to be a series with all our different athletes and it will hopefully be a, a situation where we get feedback from people and it's like what do you want to hear right cool we'll make something like that you know like what you do emily like what do you want to hear about and i think it it suddenly brings like yeah. a real sense of like wow i'm being heard and i think that's really an important part of it so that will launch next monday um with Meg White launching her first video, doing a nice little video that she's been prepping. So yeah, we're really excited about it, and we're really open to hearing people's perspectives, especially in the media, especially out on in the the wider world. So yeah, girls, if you have anything you can you can share with us, and we can share with you, then we hope it's a knowledge sharing platform as much as it is a informational piece as well.
1: I think you're totally right about the relatable aspect of of stuff having having a woman there to help you with your questions. That's basically why I started YouTube. And funnily enough, I've got a, a video on bike setup in the offing. Haven't yeah, so that's <laughs> gonna come out not, not nice. on International Women's Day, but thought it'd be also really good to do because there's so many so many new mountain bikers who yeah, who haven't got a clue about yeah. what position they're Brain levers should be in, or you know, or anything, mm-hmm. or what angle the handlebars should be at, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I'll be interested to check yeah, out what, what Meg's got, and uh, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: for sure. And hopefully, it'll be a platform where we can all share information, give to each you other, and push each other's platforms because I think that's what it is about. And I think as women, we are just really happy to do that. Like, I think we all want to m- make sure each other's doing well. So, I think that's, mm. I've definitely noticed it in all the different groups, people uh you know, they're their their biggest kind of hype man, I guess, for for each other. So yeah, I think hopefully that'll be that'll yeah. be um be be great to see, Emily, for sure.
0: Awesome. That's really cool to hear. Yeah, look forward to seeing that. So we're getting close to the end of our time, but it'd be interesting to hear from each of you kind of what you would like to see happen or change on the women's side of the sport in over the next 12 months if you could uh wave a magic wand and make and fix something. What would it be? Uh, Katie, <laughs> I think we'll start with you.
2: Bringing a platform where active questions, where active um, communication is encouraged and bringing about more participation. Like It's amazing. There's been a massive bike boom. That's awesome. But giving those people who have just bought their first bike a platform to be involved in the wider, the more, the, or the sort of more, maybe more niche part of mountain biking that we've experienced. As of getting further down into the the bike world, actually giving people that little opening those doors for people and making sure that we are open doors, um, bringing participation, making sure there are talent pathways, making sure there's information out there for people that they feel confident when they go to the trail and they don't feel that they have to be the people who say, oh, you go in front of me, actually standing up and saying, no, no, actually I'm going to go in front and faster than you or whatever, you know, like just bringing that confidence to, to female riders across the board, I think would be really great. And what in whatever that is, clothes fitting, bike fitting information, you know, social groups, I think there's so much that can be done and it's
0: an exciting time for sure. Yeah. Good stuff. Emily, what about you? What would you change in the next twelve months?
1: Oh, this is really difficult. I don't know. I really it's just there's so much to choose from. Like, you know, the sign that's close to my heart is obviously this top twenty top top twenty uh, qualifiers at World Cup, so that's probably not gonna happen. So, you know, but then Rachel's idea about the role models from that, that WhatsApp group, which I don't know about, but that's uh, that would be mm-hmm. pretty cool. But I just think I mm-hmm. I think I'd like to see more women in cool video edits like what Ferro's doing, like what um Hannah Bergman's doing, like more high energy stuff. And Chelsea can't remember her second name, but she's called Chelsea Sends it on Instagram, who went to that uh that, that big mm. festival in mexico that johnny salido organized like those girls are amazing there's so many amazing i've started really making an effort to follow girls that are doing awesome rad stuff that that i dream of doing when i was Mm -hmm. younger (laughs) and there's so many people i would love to see more of those people in the mainstream media rather than having to hunt around for them on instagram so yeah i think yeah some really cool stuff in the media that's Mm -hmm. what i'd like to see some really high energy rad stuff
0: Can you, Emily? Can you share some uh, like Instagram or social media recommendations with me, and I can put them in the show notes if you've got particular people you follow that you think are awesome.
1: Yeah, I will do. Yeah,
0: nice one. Well, yeah, we'll stick those in hopefully in the Facebook groups as well, so people can find that nice and easily. Rachel, mm. what about you?
3: I've been thinking this one over whether I should say what I'd like to say. Do it. Is <laughs> obviously we've talked about. Yeah, it's difficult, and so I'd like. Dream world would be we're totally equal, no one thinks of us as male or female, right? So, a little while ago, I was nominated for Bike Biz Woman of the Year, which I want to say thank you to the people who nominated me and voted. But also, it made me think, well, hold on a minute, where's Man of the Year? Like, that's cool that we're trying to support and promote women, but I would like to either be Person of the Year or I would like to see man of the year as well so it's a difficult subject because I don't want to sound as if I'm damning that um that process and that award but also it I think it it just made me spring to mind that I would like to see Mm -hmm. the other side to that coin as well because yeah just to make us to stop trying to divide things if you see what I mean um so I would like definitely kind of, I suppose the end of that is for brands to check that brands and organizations that they're not doing anything that might segregate men and women I suppose so we can start mm-hmm. as well as Emily and me and Katie if we're um, I don't really know if you guys have got children but or if we or when we do we grow those children to not think that there's any differences but other people need to filter down from the top backwards that mm. sort of change processes mm. and Change the way we, we think about things. Um, and Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We we were having That's a conversation kind of... about this
2: recently about we don't call out our male riders that are great. Male rider Sam Hill's looking great here. We we call like when we actively make a choice to not do that, like because <laughs> it's that exact example, Rachel. Like we don't call out whether they're male or female when it's men. Why are we like, great that we're we're pushing this, but also yeah, we're calling out – everyone should be calling out people who are rad. Regardless of gender, you're mm. absolutely killing it on a bike, and that's that's cool. Whether you're male, female, prefer not to say, whatever you, you want to identify as, you are rad, and that's it. And you're rad exactly. within your own right,
3: exclusive of any gender term, I think. Totally that's amazing actually you've just even brought up a topic that none of us have even thought about so as well as we've uh tried not to exclude men of male or females and link them all as one there's all those other gender like topics that we could get into that actually Mm -hmm. maybe we've done that between the three of us we've not even given them a second Mm -hmm. thought eh? so yeah Yeah, there's so much more to it hey yeah for sure
0: yeah the the deeper you dig the more complex it gets
3: oh too right yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah
0: i guess the 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 positive is that people are thinking about it more there is more activity and there is a more there's a better awareness i think certainly within a lot of brands maybe not everywhere just yet but it feels like things are improving probably just a lot slower than ideally they need to
3: Mm -hmm. definitely yeah definitely everything takes time to to get into a process, especially when you're talking with big brands and it's, everything has a commercial aspect to it.
0: So, yeah. 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 Cool. Well, we should uh, we should probably wrap up. I've taken up quite a bit of your time this afternoon, but I really appreciate the three of you hopping on and, and joining me for a chat. I've definitely learned some stuff and got some really interesting insight and I hope I hope the listeners will enjoy it too. Um, just as a closing point, where would you like people to go and look uh emily i'm guessing you'd like people to go and check out your youtube channel
1: yeah so youtube uh yes yeah, so it's youtube.com forward slash emily horage or i've just launched a new website which is EmilyHorridgeMTV.com. so either of those two spots people can find out a bit more about me and uh maybe come and have some coaching with me here in Lazarus or in morzine or we'll have some holidays yeah that's where to find me
0: oh nice. holidays Definitely. i remember them
1: <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> katie what about you where would you like to send people
2: um from a brand perspective yeah sign up to our our new newsletter we're we're getting hopefully going to get a lot more out in the way of our women's series i think we're that's going to sit on all of our athletes youtube profiles so we really want to bring up their their reputations on YouTube's as well youtube as well and obviously the nuke proof bikes youtube as well but on a wider scale, get into those Facebook groups, get get into, you know, your local trail, women's trail riding group or your local trail group and see if there's anyone else you want to go out and ride with because there'll always be someone else who's in the same position as you. And I think if anything, I've learned from being a newbie to the sport, that's that's it. There's always someone else who's
3: asking the same questions as you. So never be afraid to, to step up and ask.
0: Nice one. Rachel, what about you?
3: Yeah, so work perspective. Um, I'd like to ask people to go to offroadcc which is www.off.road.cc so that's the website that I work on Um, and I think from a female perspective much like the other guys um, head over I suspect Instagram's probably the easiest place to message us for um, Mm -hmm. like support or trying to get in touch I'm sure there's loads of people that we know that someone might just need a link to whether that be riding in whatever area or just a bit of bit of advice so my Instagram yeah oh I think is Rachel underscore white one, maybe, but just yeah, I use that sort of try the platform to try and connect people. So head there, definitely. The
0: yeah, the as well. Yeah, cool. All right, I will try. Yeah, I'll try and put all that information in the show notes as well. So hopefully, that's a, a nice, easy place for everyone to go and find all those links. Well, it's been, yeah, it's been really cool chatting. Thanks so much for taking the time out of your days, and uh, yeah, look forward to seeing how things progress in the future.
1: Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks, Chris.
3: Cheers. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks, ladies.
0: All right, that's it for this episode with Emily, Rachel and Katie. I really hope you've enjoyed listening. A massive thanks to Crank Brothers for supporting this episode. I highly recommend you check out their new range of riding shoes, especially the versions with the BOA closure. I'm loving riding both the Mallet E-Clip shoes and the Stamp Flat Pedal shoes. Crankbrothers have really hit it out of the park with their first ever range of shoes, and you can check them out at your local Crankbrothers stockist or over at crankbrothers.com. Also, a massive thanks to Nuke Proof. If you're in the market for tough, well-designed alloy wheels, then definitely give the Nuke Proof Horizon V2s a look. If you fancy the chance to win your own set, then you can enter the competition by joining the Nuke Proof mailing list before the 1st of April over at downtimepodcast.com/nukeproof. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you want to represent the show, then you can grab yourself a t-shirt, sweatshirt or hoodie by heading over to downtimepodcast.com/shop, with all the proceeds going to help improve the show all right you know what to do please help me out by keeping spreading the word about the podcast tell your riding mates and share the episodes on your social media it's super helpful and it helps me keep this thing going if you've got a couple of minutes then a review on itunes is also really helpful so hop over there and get that done all right there's another awesome episode coming up tomorrow in fact but until then get out and ride